the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, I am Seth Leapson coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Uh, George Kaloff is going to join us uh, in the next segment um, with his thoughts on the um, contretemps at the ECGOP. Jeff DeWitt has uh, resigned as chairman. Talked about that in the previous hour especially, I mean, not especially, due to, uh, due to the um, audio of uh, his effort to uh, represent moneyed interests on the East Coast to keep Kerry Lake from running for the Senate. And uh, his resignation letter is, um, it, it's not impressive to me. I know, I know that some in the liberal media are saying, Oh, my gosh, he really took her down with that letter. I, he didn't. Uh, just listen to the audio. I understand the, as I said, I understand the um, the desire and the, and, the, and the inclination to defend yourself on the way out. But uh, it was abominable behavior on his part, and I knew he couldn't sustain it. No one could once that kind of thing becomes revealed, uh, becomes public, and it was only a matter of time. What makes it interesting, uh, as for the timing, is that the um, the state committee is having its big annual meeting on Saturday. Uh, the night before that, Donald Trump is speaking to the state party here in town in Phoenix, and um, you have a state chairman who was there critici- on tape criticizing Donald Trump and— uh, uh, audio uh, uh, and audio of which uh, has him trying to uh, buy off Carrie Lake, who is obviously um, uh, close to Donald Trump. It, it was just an untenable situation, and really quite sickening to the stomach when you when you sit back and think about the entirety of it, not just the specifics, but the entire, the, really the wholesale effort that there are people with a lot of money on the East Coast who supposedly care about the country, who supposedly care about the party, and they're dispatching a state chairman to help keep a candidate who is obviously very popular in the state from running with financial incentives. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's, it's stomach-turning and stomach-churning. And the idea that you have these when we talk about election integrity and the sanctity of our elections, that we should be subject to that kind of manipulation from outside interests and that we would have a state chairman who would be willing to carry that water, who would be willing to take the phone call with that offer and carry it forward. Um, then, of course, you know, in, in, in his resignation letter, he says he was taken out of context. That doesn't wash. You listen to the audio. There are things there that cannot be taken out of context. The context is perfectly clear of what's going on. Perfectly clear. So uh, we're in um, 
we're going to be in a search for a new state party chair. It's an unenviable position in some respects because it's a more than full-time position. I do understand that, and it is a volunteer position. People may not know that. It's not a paid position. Uh, So you are volunteering uh, for that position, and you have disparate elements in our party. But if you care about the party and care about the country because um, that's what being in party politics is about, then you're willing to donate that time and effort to doing something about it. And um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens on Saturday. We'll see what happens going forward. I don't think the rules allow for the new chairman to be picked this Saturday. George Kaloff will help us with all of that, but I'm pretty sure they don't. In the interim, you have an interim chairman in the uh, first vice uh, president or first vice chair in Jill Norgard, who I know a little bit and like a whole lot. So at least for the interim, uh, it looks like, from best I know of her, uh, we'll have very steady uh, leadership. I haven't, um, I didn't realize she was, she was in that position, but uh, it's good that um, that she'll be uh, manning the helm there uh, for the time being. The, man, I just. There's a lot of drama, you know, there's just a lot of drama in our party. And I guess that's part and parcel of why I'm not so on board with this notion, as I spoke about in my monologue, of will-o'-the-wisp candidacies that just don't have an end point that results in victory. I just, Nikki gave it a good shot. I would have been shocked a year ago if someone told me Nikki Haley will outlast Ron DeSantis, I would have been shocked, but she did a good shot. And I'll tell you what the big problem is. It's not that it, you know, it's not that, you know, the voters have had their say. It's not that. It's obviously, I mean, there are more people in Phoenix than have voted in the primaries in Iowa and New Hampshire, two states, primaries. There are more people living in Phoenix than than that. It's not that. It's that you you look at where this election is going. You look at what the people are interested in and want, and you think about what it takes to try and win, what it takes to try and chase someone to the convention, so to speak. And what it takes is ever-increasing criticism of the candidate in the number one spot, which is Donald Trump. That's what it takes. It takes ever-increasing criticism. In other words, she is going to have to be ever more critical of Donald Trump. That's that's what she has to do to get votes, whether in South Carolina or beyond. And that's just not what we should be doing right now. We have less than a year before the election, and I want every Republican voice that is out there, every Republican who has access to a microphone or a pen or a friend or a neighbor or a town hall meeting— to be training their voice and attention and concern and energy on the progressive left in the Democratic Party. That's what I want. I don't want them using their voice to criticize a fellow Republican at this point who's like more than likely got the nomination, I mean beyond likely has the nomination, and writing the talking points that the Democrats can use. Well, Nikki Haley said this about you. Well, even your fellow Republican and U.N. ambassador said this about you. And she's going to have to say more and more of that as she gets to South Carolina to try and effort a defeat of him or effort a close second to him. It's it's it would be wonderful. It would just be wonderful if 
every Republican trained their sights on the real opposition, which is the Democratic Party, the progressive left in this country. I gave the reasons why in my monologue in the last hour, 960thepatriot.com, if you missed it. Bob is in Payson. Hi, Bob. Hey, Seth. How are you doing this afternoon, I am well. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I've discussed this with you before, but ever since I just heard this recording of Kerry Lake and the head of the uh, Republican Party here in Arizona, I think I mentioned before, why did Trump, why did Kerry Lake, and why did everyone else who lost their elections, possibly through corruption, Seth, possibly through corruption, wanted our southern borders to be closed? Who benefits from an o- a closed border? Or, excuse me. You mean open, yeah. Benefits yeah. from an open border, yeah. yes, sir. It is the cartel south of our border. And I've said before, and I do believe they've gotten to our politicians, they've gotten to our judges, they've gotten to people in positions of responsibility. They've threatened them or they've bribed them or one of both. And they're afraid. They said, if you don't go along, there's going to be consequences to pay, possibly missing family members and things of that nature. This is about big money, and there's a lot of our politicians, Seth, that I believe have been on the take for a long, long time, many in the Democratic Party. Well, I just don't know. I just don't know. But I do find it interesting that when you have someone from um, outside, so to speak, whether it's Donald Trump or Kerry Lake, um, that— it seems like there are an awful lot, not all, but an awful lot of king's horses and king's men that spend an awful lot of their energy, effort, and effort to take them down and out. And um, a, a lot more than than um, those that are already kind of within the club, so to speak. That was, kind of, that was kind of one of the interesting things. Who was the comedian? Oh, my gosh. Who's the comedian, Mr. Bill, who said— um, who said, you know, the, the the greatest part of the Trump candidacy in 2016 was was when Hillary Clinton was talking about what an insider Donald Trump was. And he said, yes, that's right. That's why I'm running, because I know what that is, and I'm here to tell you I'm going to expose it. I forget who the comedian was who said that, but, yeah, that's why they're against him. Okay, we'll be right back. George Kaloff coming up. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Our good buddy George Kaloff is the managing uh, managing uh, is a, is a partner at uh, at uh, the Resolute Group and the managing director at uh, at Data Orbital. Do I did I mess it up, George? I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. You're good. Give me that. Give it. Give, go ahead. You do it. You do your official. Uh, <laughs> president, uh, president of Data Orbital and managing partner at the Resolute. Okay. Group. All right. Data Orbital and the Resolute Group. Yes. Thank you for joining us as always. Um, I wanted to do New Hampshire and I wanted to do Arizona. <laughs> but, yeah. Yes. Uh, where would you like to start? Let's talk about New Hampshire. I, yeah, um, I, I would love what your first impressions from New Hampshire are. So. Again, not surprised. Um, record-breaking turnout. 
So compared, by the way, to Iowa, and I think we'd mentioned this when we chatted last, that Iowa turnout was fairly low and people weren't certain if it was because of the cold and the snow and the intense storms or if it was voter you know, lack of excitement. But New Hampshire blew out the last record set in 2016, both, by the way, by the Republicans and Democrats, more than 300 and I think 15,000 people voted. So it broke that record by about 20,000 votes. New Hampshire, for those that don't know, allows independents and Democrats, allows you to vote in either primary. So it's an open primary system, uh, even for a president. And with all that being the, the case, uh, Donald Trump, while still, I guess, somewhat underperforming the polling with some of the more aggressive polls that showed he was up by 20 points, still won by double digits in yeah. his arguably weakest state, Yeah, based on what uh, what a lot of pundits were saying. So to me, that's it. The nomination process is done, even if Nikki Haley has not dropped out. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I I agree with every assessment you made. I was looking at uh, something. Uh, you know, David Brody a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. He he had put out that uh, this is a state where Nikki Haley had the endorsement of the popular governor. She had invested heavily in New Hampshire, spent tons of time there and money. Had the two person race. She kind of said she wanted. And um, still, I mean, at what level is a double-digit win not decisive? I, I don't understand how people are saying a 10 or 11-point win is not, uh, is not a decisive victory. And I suppose my real regret here or my real um, concern is that for her to continue on, she only has really one available way of doing so, and that's to be ever more critical of Donald Trump. And as that volume increases. I just don't think it's good for our party going into November. I just don't. The writing's on the wall here. And it is. It is. Yeah, and go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It, it is on the wall. And I want to just say, not just the popular governor, um, Seth, and for for, uh, for listeners, the governor that is part of a family dynasty yeah. that have been popular yeah. for multi-decades, yeah. right? It's a household right. name. This is a new, new name. It's household in New Hampshire. I don't right. even know how. I suppose the closest thing that we could compare to here is John McCain, whether you... Goldwater or McCain, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Household names, right? Household names. Um, And, by the way, something that was very interesting, because the state allowed independents and Democrats to vote, part of the tactic, and this is not me just sort of making this, uh, you know, summation, this was something that the Haley campaign and and, and allies of hers were saying, that they were urging people to cross over and vote. That um, allowed her to seek that vote, but this is very interesting. Donald Trump won 36% of independents right. in the 2016 New Hampshire primary, right, okay? Right. When there were like four or five opponents. Right. He won the so 36% in 2016. He won 38% yeah. yesterday. So yeah. not only did he so he won 75% of Republicans, you know that, but even with everything that's happened and all the work that's been done, he actually won slightly more of independents than he did when this entire thing got started long before yeah. any of the that's a good point. The, "Quote unquote negatives occurred." You see, so it's even more to me, I think, impactful that it's done and that it is bad for the party to keep moving forward. Because by any measure, she did not; she she was not successful in any measure in any angle in the way that you look at the results from last night. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. And uh, you know, when is South Carolina next week? And then uh, is that right? South Carolina is next week. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. and then and then we have the Nevada thing. The Nevada thing's odd, but South Carolina, you know, she's not going to—I mean, he's 30 points up. Okay, so we've learned that sometimes the polls can exaggerate or can be higher than the actual ending point. But it's, it's, um, it's, it's of interest to me that it's been a long 
long ago pet peeve of mine that a longstanding pet peeve of mine that candidacies that don't have a chance of victory keep fooling people into spending money, energy and hopium hope, right, that they can. Mm -hmm. And this it's it's. It just can't. So the question then becomes, what 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 is it that you care about? Is uh, is it that you care about defeating the Democrats? Is it or is there some kind of some kind of ego that's involved? What keeps telling her? Is there is there a, a consultant class that doesn't want to throw in the towel? What 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 keeps telling candidates they can go on when clearly they sure. just can't? What is the thinking there, George? So so uh, globally. I think it's uh, maybe not super specifically to, to Nikki Haley, because I don't obviously know her on a personal level. But in general, I think ego is one of the biggest things that keeps people in races that yeah. they know they can't win. Yeah. That's it. Ego and pride. Yeah. So ego, because they think that they can somehow make it up and pride that they are, if they drop out, that they're viewed as a failure. And maybe to a lesser degree, some consultants chirping in their ear telling them that they still have a chance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that they can obviously, you know, make money. I think in this scenario. Yeah. What is the most addictive is the is the makeup of the people in New Hampshire that voted for her and yeah. these exit polls and exit polls have their problems. Right. So asterisks it in this. But the majority of people that voted for Donald Trump, the line share, I think it was north of 70 percent voted for Donald Trump because they supported Donald Trump. OK, uh, about 40 percent of the people, if not a little bit more, that voted for Nikki Haley did because they didn't like Donald Trump. Yep. <laughs> not yeah. because they like Nikki Haley. That's so a, there yeah. is a level of antagonism against Trump yeah. that is fueling this. And I don't know if it's coming from her specifically but it is likely coming from people that are continuing to give her money and chirp in her ear that at all costs. And how many times have we heard this or seen this, that he cannot win at all costs because he is a insert, whatever threat to democracy. He is a this, well, he is a that. Um, I mean, but even the general polling shows that's not true. Even yeah, the general I mean, polling the, says that's not true. I mean, it's only a snapshot, obviously, as of right now, and who knows what's to come. But do you have to run, or can you stay one more segment to do? do you, are you in a rush? All uh, right, because yeah. I want I, I do want to talk to you about Arizona, um, and we'll just dedicate the next segment to that and the goings on here. But just the last couple seconds of this segment, if I might, one of the ways that you can help smooth over and soothe the antagonism to Donald Trump is having party leaders unite behind him. <laughs> stop, you know, stop this, stop this will of the wisp campaign that has no shot that is going to be fueled by ever increasing attacks on him. That's one of the ways you can help unite the yeah, party yeah. around him. And you are seeing that, yeah. right? And you are seeing that in Arizona and around the country that by and large, Republicans are standing up and saying, enough, let's unify. But not everybody, but yeah. I would say the lion's share of people. And yet she's not heeding those Heating those uh, calls and suggestions, yeah, well, warnings, uh, however you want to frame it. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, it's interesting when you can't see that distance, when you can't see the distance through the summer um, that you want to be given the trust to see the distance for the next four years and steering the ship of state. All right, let me take a quick commercial break, George. When we come back, let's deal with uh, what's going on with the state party, the resignation of Jeff DeWitt and the fallout from that. George Kaloff is my guest from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. George Kaloff from Data Orbital and the Resolute Group is our guest. We covered New Hampshire. Let's cover Arizona. Uh, Donald Trump was going is going to be here Friday night. Um, on behalf of the party, we have a state committee meeting on Saturday, George. And, of course, we had the uh, revelations that came out in audio form with uh, Jeff DeWitt uh, making offers to Kerry Lake to get out of the race, to put it uh, no higher. 
and uh, he resigned today. So we right now have an interim chairman in Jill Norgard, who I like very much, and wonder what you think of all this. And does the party get to choose a new chairman on Saturday, or do the rules kind of push it off a little bit, or what? Anyway, unwind it any way yeah. you want for us. Yeah, well, first off, I think the, the most important emotion and feeling that I have is just a deep sense of sadness for the party, the state of the party in, in a state that I care a lot about, because this is the last thing, the entire thing. And no matter how you, who you're mad at in the situation, who you think's in the right or the wrong, the fact that there's no chair, the fact that we have to be dealing with this now in a critical election year in a state where Republicans have one seat majorities in the House and Senate is just heartbreaking. So that just first and foremost, and as someone who, who has worked at the state party early on in my career and keep very close tabs on, on what's happening and someone who, you know, consider themselves grassroots. This is, um, this is immensely disappointing in terms of logistically what's happening. Yeah. So this Saturday's meeting will be run by uh, Jill Norgard, who you mentioned in the interim, but she's actually going to be replaced this that's Saturday. Right. That's right. Right, for a prior planned uh, election, the <laughs> first vice chair, that's, that's right. her position. It yeah. was already going to be happening. So whoever wins between two, you know, women that are running is going to, then be the interim, a special election. So the short answer is the chair will not be voted on on Saturday. Okay. A special election must be called per okay. the bylaws in the next 10 days. Okay. And that, I believe, must be held within 45 days. Yeah. So we will then have a chair at that point. And then whoever wins the Saturday is the first vice chair will then become the interim and will run that meeting to have the actual full-time replacement, which, by the way, will only be until January of 2025 when the next regularly scheduled election for the chair is going to be held. So we're going to essentially have three elections in the next 10, 11 months from a logistical perspective. So it just completely causes a sense of chaos amongst the party. Lots of calls and texts and messages being flown back and forth today puts a lot that's uncertain, right? So this fundraiser on Friday, will it continue? What does that look like? Because obviously President Trump was one of the individuals mentioned in this recording that was leaked and one of the leverage points that was attempted to be used against Jeff DeWitt. So yeah. it, it really causes a lot of uncertainty. All right. Um, to decide who becomes the party chair, who votes on that? State committee men? Or? That's correct. So, okay. a, uh, so a, a group of individuals that have been voted on a year and a half ago by the precinct committee men, which is the, the sort of the lowest uh, building block of the party. Not lowest, but the base building Are block. Are you of calling the me a low building block, no, George? No, 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 no. <laughs> one, one PC okay. for short, one precinct committee man okay. for every 125 registered Republican. Democrats have a, a identical structure. Yeah. They vote on state committee uh, members. So there's about a couple thousand, give or take, that will that will vote on Saturday for the first vice chair and other offices. And that will then vote for the replacement to the state chair okay yeah i i forgot about that i think the first time we met you were working uh for the party back mm-hmm. uh when it correct. was on 24th street if i'm not mistaken that's yeah correct. that's correct yeah, 2014 yeah. Uh, 2014 that's, that's right. right that's right that's where we first met i was wondering how it is we became <laughs> yeah we became acquainted and it was through that and since we've become good friends. All right. Yeah. Well, um, OK, I, I don't I, I don't have a natural conclusion to this except uh, to say that, um, you know, it, it, I, I guess it would be this, George, to the degree. Uh, the thing that I hate the most and I think really would be a job of a great enterprising reporter is find out, 
you know, these reporters, go find out who these East Coast interests are that want to meddle in our elections. I mean, as a party that stands for election integrity, that would be a good story. That would be a good story, yeah. I think. And, and, you know, and I guess let me make a, you know, let me make a comment on this. You're sort of like alluding to this, that, that no matter how, obviously, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of questions on and comfort levels and anger about yeah. The idea of someone being recorded. So yeah. I just want to put that out there, right? And there's yeah. anger that the fact that he even was recorded in a private conversation was recorded. I understand. But the problem with, even if it was taken out of context, the phrases that were used, this is a lot of why people have anxiety today about our leaders. That yes, yes, and cynicism. And up, cynicism. Right? You bet. Yeah, that, that's the main problem is that whoever it is, even if they're mythical creatures that we're being alluded to, People feel like someone else is pulling the puppet yes, strings, yes. and people are angry about it. Yes, 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 absolutely. Thank you, George. All right, Godspeed. I'll see you Saturday morning. We'll see you there. Okay, bye, buddy. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Midas Gold Group. Their war room and the MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank. While the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank, that belongs to you. This is your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do. A controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete and utter control of our transactional freedoms. Protect yourself and turn this wake-up call into a phone call to a veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. That's 480-360-3000. Or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. That's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful Midas Gold Group. MAGA and proud of it. MidasGoldGroup.com. Doug and Maricopa. Howdy, sir. How you doing today, sir? I'm fine. How are you? Well, you know, I'm kind of contemplative. It's uh, it's kind of a shock here with the you know with the state party in disarray a little bit. Um, but I had some thoughts, and I think this is kind of an example. And I mean this because it's not Arizona is more local. But much of the power is invested in Washington, D.C. And one of the things our founding fathers has, was really worried about was the concentration of power. And I, would, I can't do an exact quote, but basically one of the things Ronald Reagan said was the only way you're going to be able to uh, break the system was to divest the power back to the 50 states. So that the power brokers have to go to 50 different states instead of one place. And that's what the Democrats are vastly, you know, it's not only, you know, businesses, but political power. Everything's invested. The more it's concentrated, the more easily think, uh, people and systems are corrupted, uh, both in terms of money and power, and oftentimes a combination thereof. And so I look at this as just another living example of why we must divest power. Because if someone might say, yes, but this was a state representative, but the power and the money was coming from back east. And they're inherently defending the system that keeps them in power and in money. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I think I agree with everything you said. What I don't know, uh, Doug, is what um, what or who um, back east. Oh, totally. And and if it were yeah. California, it wouldn't be any better. You know, no. uh, it, it's just the idea. The, excuse me, the idea that um, moneyed interests somewhere not in Arizona. Uh, could persuade a state chairman to even make this kind of offer. Just the idea that that could transpire um, is—I um, I don't have a better word for it than than stomach churning. I, it it just—it really does um, turn the stomach at both levels, both um, at the state chairman's level and at those who think that they have the right to do that level. Yeah, and I that know. you know yeah. their hands are so idle on other needed places they could put their money. As I was saying, you know, are there no fallen officers' families? Are there no veterans' families? Are there no wounded warriors' families? Are there no rehabs? Are there no impoverished schools in inner cities? Are there yeah. no great faith-based charities they could do this with? It's um, it's it's just really. A lot of us in the Republican Party um, have pushed back against efforts at campaign finance reform as it's been uh, prom- as it's been uh, suggested by liberals, Democrats and, and do good Republicans or good government type Republicans, what we call goo-goos back in the day. And, uh, you know, the McCain-Feingold kind of stuff. Uh, and and the reason we've pushed back on it is we think it limits speech. I, I I think it limits speech. I mean, no one tells the New York Times, for example, how much money they can spend or how much money they can spend on printing editorials. I, I don't know why they should be able to tell us how much money we can spend as individuals on getting a message out. That having been said, this is the kind of thing that makes you say, well, the money in politics really requires some thinking about when people can do this sort of thing. I mean, good good for Carrie Lake for saying hell no, oh. hell to the no. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think in an odd way, it's inspirational that uh, she has this steely reserve that mm-hmm. just said I'm not bending. And that's very tr- Trumpian. I have a story, and I'm going to kind of cloak it in some mystery, but I have a collector who had some interest in some legislation in Washington. He's a big High power. I always joke that I'm just a lowly little uh, fine artist, and right. so, but some of my collectors are kind of well off. Um, but anyhow, he said that when there was some legislation being signed by Trump, um, and he showed me a clip that uh, his lobbyist was on the uh, left-hand side of Trump, and Trump leaned back, and I said, what's he doing? And he said, Trump leaned back and said, I'm not doing this for you. Yeah. I'm doing this for the American people. Yeah. So you can take your 20 lobbyists and go home. Yeah. And and that's when he said he fell in love with Trump uh-huh. because that's an honest man and you can deal straight with him. Yeah. And uh, so he is much like Kerry Lake. He's unbendable in terms of his belief of honesty and to break the system of corruption. You know, and that's why you see these forces so incredibly focused you know, by the way, um, getting off that, this subject, you mentioned, you know, there could be money that is, uh, you know, better to go to charities. I suggest that at this stage, part of why I think uh, Nikki Haley needs to bow out 
is that one of the things, I don't know if you heard, the Democrats have said they have the biggest war chest in history right now for the 2024 campaign. And I was thinking about this because part of what the Democrats are doing, they're using the federal government to bleed his capital, to bleed Trump's reserves so he has less money to um, politically to fight them with. The other thing they can Oh, you mean do, with the lawsuits and stuff? Yeah. With the lawsuits. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the other thing. These campaigns are costing hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. that can be directed, better directed, in my opinion, if it's inevitable. And you're talking about a guy I gave money to, you know, uh, Vivek, because I just love his you, spunk. You like you the know? fight and spunk. Let me take a commercial break. Will you stick with, spunk, but... stick with us? Stick sure, with us. Stick with us. Sure, All right. Let me take a quick yeah. commercial break. As I'm going to break, let me put in a word for our Fighting for Freedom event on March 26th at Arizona Christian University. You don't want to miss it. Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, myself will be on stage. We're keeping it relatively small so we can maximize interaction with the audience. Q&A talking about the election, talking about thinking about the election, how to think about it, how to talk about it, how to persuade friends, how to persuade opponents. Fighting for freedom. Uh, You can get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com, and you can email my producer, ddahl at salemphx.com, to enter for a drawing for a free pair of tickets. Otherwise, 960thepatriot.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Doug, thank you. Uh, Doug and Maricopa, thank you for holding, sir. You were just saying you gave some money to, you gave some support to Vivek because you liked the spunk. And uh, yeah. I, I liked some of the spunk, too. I got to tell you, I liked some of it. <laughs> Not all of it. <laughs> I, know, I, I know. Some yeah. of it's like hair raising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. But here's the whole thing is, Eva, I did that because I thought it helped further a conversation. Yep. It stimulated and said some things that uh, needed to be said, some things that shouldn't have been said, of course. But um, all of that needs to end now because I'm looking in terms of, and, and I think we should all look in terms of winning. Yep. And if you're looking at the Democrats with the largest war chest yep. in history, yep with billionaires backing them up and literally think about this. Now talk about election interfering. They are depleting this man, hundreds of million. He spent a hundred million dollars in his defense right now. Think about that. If, if he wasn't a billionaire, he would be crushed. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't have his emotional stability that he has, they are draining him and through, and they're using the federal government to do their work. Mm-hmm. And so we should not be spending hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think if you think about this with the establishment and the Democrats, because much of the people voting for Haley during the New Hampshire was the Democrats as a strategy. They want this to go on because that's a second way to deplete the Republican Party, mm. hundreds of millions mm. of dollars. Mm. And that war chest has to be properly directed towards the big game right now which is life and death, because we're not going to get a lot of chances to hold on to our system. You know, I, I don't believe No, I agree. Look, the idea yeah. that, that uh, Nikki can continue on to any sort of triumph or victory is phantasmagorical. And the idea that the only way she is going to try to do so would be to further criticize the guy who will get yeah. the nod oh, yeah. is going to do great damage. And the way we get through... 
the dissensions in the party or amongst others who are looking at the party is to have the party rally around and be trained on the opposition. And the opposition isn't spelled G-O-P. Doug, I love you, man. Thank you so much. I got to take a quick commercial break. And then the great John Shattuck will be right with us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 